Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Today we are doing a non-spoiler review for News of the World and a Tom Hanks Top 5 Countdown. I am also, Mike, doing the intro today because I am joined by a guest host in the absence of Mike One, and this is a returning guest host for MMO. You can hear him on our past episodes of Ford v. Ferrari and Tenant, and you can find his work at Colby Told Me. That's K-O-L-B-Y. Colby Told Me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. ColbyToldMe.com. And now, Colby Told Me, all one word, on YouTube. Colby, thanks for doing this today. Welcome back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby (laughs) Mack, and I'm back. Hashtag Mike, Mike, and Mack is back. That's right. We have the hashtag working uh, for your guest appearances, and I'm so glad that you were able to uh, fill in for Mike today. Uh, we got a lot to do, uh, so I, w- I was hoping that we could just dive right in. We had a fun conversation in the pre-show here, but I think we got a lot, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of movie to talk about with News of the World, and then a, a lot of uh, great career to talk about with Tom Hanks. So this is one of those cool mashup episodes from MMO. It's going to be all non-spoilers, both the top five and this uh, first half review. Uh, so no worries. It's a it's a it's an easy uh, easy listen. We ho- we think we hope you ready, Colby. Yes, sir. All right. So. News of the World came out on Christmas Day. This is from Paul Greengrass. This is starring Tom Hanks, Helena Zengel. We have a movie here that for me, Colby, I had predicted as my best picture winner last March. <laughs> so I had the highest of expectations. How about you? What, what were your expectations going into this watch? Zero expectations. <laughs> and I, I think it's because, you know, 2019, I lived in the theater. I was in the movie theater three to five times a week. So I was always like abreast of what's coming, who's talking about what. And I kind of felt like leading up to the holidays for a number of reasons. I mean, we have a heavy, you know, political fair that's going on in America. Um, Obviously we still have the pandemic that is like, you know, just it's, it's a pressure that feels unrelenting. So who's got time for movies, especially who's got time for like Christmas movies, because who's going to the theater? Well, you know what? I was at the theater, but I was watching Wonder Woman. And then I watched pretty, uh, young, I was pretty young woman. Goodness gracious. I watched promising Promising young woman. (laughs) And then I went home and then I watched soul and I was reminded, Oh, there's a Tom Hanks movie out and it took me forever to get to it. So, but I mean, I'm special, right? Theatrical mm-hmm. releases, what are those anymore, right? Except for the ones that, you know, we just kind of stumble into or if you're cold, right? Um, also, I had no clue this is a Universal movie. And I'm usually, like, in tune with what Universal's dropping. And, one, I didn't know Tom Hanks did Universal movies. So, yeah, um, I really had and no expectations at all. So, the, yeah, this is, like, the first Tom Hanks movie that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. I do think... You hit a, hit the nail on the head there with the fact that a lot of these streaming releases were a big deal, and Wonder Woman was getting a lot of publicity in the trades, and we recovered it on you know entire episodes, and then Soul was a movie event uh, at home, and I do think Promising Young Woman and News of the World they didn't have their moment when they hit theaters because of this pandemic situation, even with people like us who, who braved the theaters. So it was kind of that, that fourth or that third movie. And that's, that's rare for Tom Hanks and his career, I would say, as we'll get into later. But I do also wonder if the critics kind of threw a wet blanket on this movie a little bit with a B minus B grades, everybody was kind of like meh on it. And 
I guess my next question is like, how, how did you actually watch this film? What was your movie watching experience like here? Did it meet your expectations of, you know, did it, did, did you, I mean, did it surpass zero? Did you get like that Tom Hanks level of, you know, floor of quality where you're just like, you know, all right, this is a movie I should have gotten to a couple weeks back because it's that good. I would say that with having zero expectations and you know, shout out to our man, Kevin Brackett. Mm-hmm. He's really put me on to, you know, really not watching trailers. And I do recognize that me as a critic, you know, my expectations can be built and dashed based off of what marketing sells me and then what I ultimately get, you know, from watching the film. Sure. And with this, I do recognize that some films have a little bit of an upper hand when you go in completely cold. Um, without knowing what this is and just looking at a movie poster, I'm like, oh, this is like Tom Hanks' True Grit, right? <laughs> and it's it kind of is that. And at the same time, it's... So Tom Hanks is at a level that I'm going to put akin to LeBron James. Right mm-hmm. now, LeBron is in year 18, and LeBron is so good mm-hmm. that even when he looks like he's loafing, he's still really, really good, Right. Everybody's yes. like, yo, it's a 72-game <laughs> season. You got Skip Bayless constantly on this man's jock talking about he needs to take some time off. LeBron can take time off in a game, and then at the end of it, still have a stat line that's 27-7-7. Seven, and seven. That's kind of like where Tom Hanks is operating on, right? He's like, here's this film that, like you said, you know, the critics kind of threw in a little bit of wet blanket. You know, you thought it was going to be your best picture of the year. And then when we finally get here, with a lot of things going against it, it still comes as is quite serviceable to me, you know. Um, I was impressed because I had no, you know, expectations of the. Oh, all right. But then at the same time, am I a Western guy? I'm not a Western guy, and I do think that genres like this does matter to ultimately how much you're going to enjoy the reception of this film. So, um, that that's a fascinating point because I do think they played with the expectations on a lot of people with the marketing of this one because you mentioned Tom Hanks True Grit and that was kind of the second trailer and Mike and I are kind of forced to you know we're forced to analyze the trailers it's a part of our show and look man we're a year-round movie podcast so we got to do something (laughs) we had you know a few dry months there so we're yeah we're analyzing trailers and it was fun to, to get hyped up about the first trailer, which was like Tom Hanks Fury Road. Like this was <laughs> this was a, an action film that we yeah. thought. And then the next trailer was like, oh, this is Tom Hanks, you know, journalist man of the 1800s. And he's going to be the true he's going to do the true grit Rooster Cogburn thing kind of deal. So, yeah, it was definitely uh, something that threw me for a loop uh, on, on these on the marketing plan. I wonder if a lot of people thought the same thing. So. This is a slow paced movie, and I think that's something we want to get across to people. This is a journey through the Old West, through Texas, right? Uh, Post Civil War Texas, late 1800s, mid to late 1800s. I don't remember my uh, American history there. What year was that? But this, uh, I think this is 18, what, like 65? So the, okay. ultimately, the Emancipation Proclamation had just been signed, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, leading up until like the events that take place in this film. And it's hard to find a Tom Hanks wholesome hero in this time period, I would say, because people are, oh my God, they're a handful at Woo. this time. Everybody he meets, my goodness, what a what a what a what a character is the nice way to put it. But all right, 
you saw this in the theaters. You're not necessarily a huge fan of the Western genre, but did the landscapes, did they take you in? What was your movie-going experience like sitting down in a theater for News of the World? My goodness. Shout out to AMC for being safe and clean. Yo, mm-hmm. I clap it up every time for businesses during this pandemic that are trying to do the best that they can to stay in business, but to keep patrons safe. And to be honest with you, I feel more safe in a movie theater where it's just me and one other person. And then they're still going in. They got their, you know, their, 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 their spray foggers and stuff like that, cleaning everything up. I get my little kid popcorn because that's just the appropriate amount. I get a kid popcorn, (laughs) kid drink, and I'm all good to go. You can't spend $7 any better inside the movie theater aside from the ticket, but I'm an AMC's A-list member. Hello. Shout out. Listen to the podcast, AMC. You'll love it. Love these guys, right? But um, to be honest with you, you know, sitting down with just me and one other person, I got the whole theater to ourselves. There's nothing that can compare to the way that being inside of a movie theater seat feels, the way that the surround sound just fills you up, especially with the Western. Like, that's the thing. You know, you let this score, which it's a really impressive score. I really liked it a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love the scope of this film. It's really, really big. And even we were inside of the smallest auditorium inside of the Cineplex, you could still feel how grand this movie feels. And I'm not saying that you don't get that same feeling and watching it on like my 55 or 65 inch that I have at home, but it's something completely different. The way that the light looks on this screen looks different than it does at home. Did you? I was impressed by how much blue was in this movie. Like you'd think that this was a Fincher film, all the blue in there. But like there was blue in the evening time. There was blue in the morning time. I loved how the cinematography was doing some amazing stuff with the images captured with the natural light. Um, and those are things that you can only do when you are shooting. You know, um, I, I, it was hard to tell if it was all film and, and digital. Stuff. I, there's mm-hmm. a couple of moments in some of the action scenes. It's like, okay, yep, we had to switch to digital because you know Tom Hanks is pushing seven. He's getting close to seven. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But I will tell you this, it's weird. I know how old he is. He does not look that old. Like somehow they make this man look perpetually 48 for like the past 25 years. Good for him. May it may we all have that aging process somehow. But I think you're right. You're dead you're dead right about the uh the cinema going experience. It was uh, a review where you and I reviewed Tenant uh, in in September and we hadn't been to the movie theaters in months and months and months, right? At that point, it was like the five-month, six-month yeah. mark of quarantine there. And we, you and I finally went back to the movie theaters and reviewed Tenet. And when the first Wonder Woman trailer came on the screen, I like I, tears came to my eyes because it is such a different experience in the movie theater than it is at home. And, you know, we've all made the best of it at home. A lot of people are going to drive in, you know, drive-ins and whatnot. They're they're making the best of it and they've upgraded their home viewing experiences. But yeah, there's nothing like at AMC Dolby uh, where, where I saw this, I was, I was thrilled to get a Dolby screening. I kind of stalked it out because they were doing mostly Wonder oh, Woman. I waited nice. <laughs> I waited a little bit and I got a special screening of it. They, they weren't having a lot because they uh-huh. had, the Wonder Woman taking it up, but I, I, I waited, and uh, about a week after Christmas, I caught it, and News of the World, Dolby, oh my goodness, it really was uh, such a big budget studio movie experience, and with that grand landscape, I'm totally with you, that's worth the price of admission right there. Now, it's on PVOD right now for folks at home. I would say, are you going to be able to replicate that? No, you got to go to the movie theaters to see it. But it it is one of those grand westerns, and it is it is something that's going to give you a unique experience. Of you know the story, the story, like I said, it, the marketing hyped it up as this action film, but it really is this 
you know, plodding pace. It, it's it's not too fast, not too slow. I would say it really is a pacing that feels like Tom Hanks at seventy. I would say, which is again faster than the normal seventy, but it's not it's not Tom <laughs> Hanks. It's not Tom Hanks uh, Greyhound. Let's put yeah, it that correct. way. Correct. Yeah. So, did the story work for you? How did the pacing and mood work for you uh, in, in terms of a non spoiler review here? I mean, talk about the ultimate dad movie. Right. And when I say dad movie, I mean like your classic Americana white dad. No offense to white dads out there. This is how I grew up. You know, I got I got my lens of what white dads are in TVs and movies. This is just how I was socialized. But this is a movie that reminds them of the good old days. You know, they mm-hmm. sit in front of the tube with their TV dinner. Mom's in the kitchen baking some shit. Dad's in the recliner with his socks off. Uh, the two of them watching Gunsmoke or anything John Wayne. And it's like this. It's a pretty linear story um Mm -hmm. it's even hinted at in the film right it's like life is like a straight line you know and you know it's got these very pronounced themes that are you know very present you know uh Mm -hmm. it's a story that goes from point a to point b you got minor villains that come along and then you have this constant protagonist that's the unrelenting old west um and then they talk about the fact of a circle that's trying to, you know, some people look at life as a circle, some people look at life as a straight line, and the circle is represented inside of, you know, the protagonist, this little girl and Joanna, and then, you know, this new presence introduced into this weathered old man's life, and he's kind of gives him this uh, renewed sense of purpose, and, you know, kind of incorporate her, and he's always, you know, wanted something like that, but never really knew that he can get it, and then does he even deserve it, and it's something that's going to replace something in his law, like, all of those cliches to Westerns are in this film. I think that they're packaged really, really nice. And then very mm-hmm. slickly, right? This movie hits you in the heart, like in your heart balls, okay? And <laughs> at the same time as it hits you in your heart balls, this movie is very political. And I was not expecting that at all. Um, right. At one point, Tom Hanks goes full Chris Cuomo from CNN. And it, it, it caught me off guard, but I got it, right? And like I said, Tom is just like operating in full old GOAT level performance mode it's effortless. I think a lot of the technical elements in this film um, are impressive. The story in itself, because it's a bit cliche, um, mm-hmm. it does kind of lull. And, you know, uh, mo- thing is for me, once I'm invested into a character and their goals, you got me, right? Um, I can be able to parse between boring and exciting. Not every film needs to be exciting in order to be a good movie, right? And right. it doesn't mean that because a film is boring makes it a bad movie. This is operating in the middle. I don't think that this movie is bad at all. I just don't think that this is something that's going to be appealing to an audience that's looking for trailer number two and thinking that they're going to get the Revenant. Yes, and and that, and it and they're not going to get. They're not going to get that high octane thriller from what we saw in those trailers at all. It 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 really is this western, and they're in a wagon, and they're kind of going through a lot of terrain. They're 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 literally on a road trip, and I do take comfort in that genre most of the time. Like you were saying, it's A to B, and you're going to come along uh, a, a lot of characters, a lot of uh, you know scenery along the way. There there really is comfort to that genre, and there is an action sequence. You know, the trailers promise that action sequence. It is in there, but it's one sequence amongst many. So I think this movie might have done better to expand that big political scene. I felt like they rushed that, and they actually tacked on, going into Act 3, they tacked on this other scene 
with this whole other group of characters that kind of move too fast. So to me, this movie kind of got a little lost yeah. in Act Two. How did you feel about the acts? Like, the, I thought a good start, really good finish. Act Two got a little lost. Well, you know, growing up, how I grew up, right? Mm-hmm. My grandmother forced me to watch Gunsmoke and Mash, or like you know, when you're getting ready in the morning. I'm I can't control the TV. You watch whatever's on, so mm-hmm. I'm able to see a lot of the formulas to these stories. And it was interesting that this film didn't stick with one primary antagonist along the way. And I almost thought that we got it because yeah. we're getting this character that comes in early on. And I'm thinking this is going to be the dude that's going to constantly be on the hunt, right? This is going to be Tom Hardy to Leo DiCaprio in The Revenant. <laughs> but then we understand that it's not. And I'm like, okay, so like, wh- where's our opposition coming from? Is it just the old relenting West? It kind of is, but then it also yeah. kind of isn't. And there's a lot of things going on in this film. And I don't think that it's like some people say, oh, it's uneven. I think sometimes that criticism can be a bit lazy when we throw it out there. You know, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that this film is getting at something just in that second and third act. I was kind of unsure. You know, when you're like, oh, is the movie supposed to end here? I did feel Mm -hmm. that. And when I feel that, I don't know necessarily if it's like a it's it's definitely a screenplay issue. Um, And it's tough because I think ultimately where we end up getting to works i just think getting there kind of fumbled the ball so i'm like four and a half hours in to the six and a half hour audiobook and the and it's very episodic same okay. same way as the movie this is. It, this is and that you know what i was gonna say that this yeah. reminded me like an episode like in you know of a western and right. it's i swear there was at one point <laughs> where tom hanks is on a horse and it's like oh this is so i watch a lot of walker texas ranger and I'm oh, no. like, in the eyes of a ranger are upon you. <laughs> and like, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. Got it. <laughs> so many memories flooded through my childhood right now. Sunday evenings at my grandma's. And Walker, Texas Ranger would come on like after all the games. Or mm-hmm. we would watch, what we would we watch? We would watch like America's Funniest Home Videos, right? Yep. And then Walker, Texas Ranger. So if we stay late at my grandma's, we're watching Walker, Texas Ranger. Oh my God, this is going to be a 20 minute rant. If you don't stop me here, Colby. Hey, it's okay because you know what happened after Walker, <laughs> Texas Ranger at 10 o'clock on Monday, it was raw is war. <laughs> that, well, yeah. That, that was, <laughs> oh my God. I'm thinking Sunday nights, but yeah. Oh my goodness. What that uh, flood of memories, but a yes. Tom Hanks movie will do that. And a talk with Colby Mack will do that to you folks. Anyway. So I'm with you. This is, this is very episodic uh, in terms of the plot. And I, I kind of wish they cut out, an episode or two and they lengthened mm-hmm. maybe that big political episode in act two, but it, it still does work. It's still Tom Hanks yes. going yeah. off uh, on these guys. And it's still uh, this performance that is, is, it has that LeBron level to it has that. All right. Maybe he's coasting. Maybe he's assisting Helena Zengel to give her a showcase, but it's, he's still getting his points. He's still scoring his points with me yeah. as an Oscar critic. He's still scoring his points out there. All right. So how was, Hanks for you. I, 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 I'm tempted to to say, can you rank this in terms of his career, or uh, it, it, how do you look at this Hanks performance in terms of his recent efforts? Maybe. Okay, so I think that's good when we say recent efforts because mm-hmm. if we look at the 
filmography of Tom Hanks. You got this young, curly-haired, comedic guy, and then as he gets a little bit older, you now see him more of his little bit suave into that kind of you know uh, uh, romantic comedy mode, and then he touches his toe in drama with A League of Their Own, and then he just goes into like, <laughs> like, like we talked about pre-show, he goes yeah. Jordan six for six. <laughs> I'm talking about a solid decade plus of yes. absolute banger after banger. <laughs> um, I don't think that this performance falls anywhere inside of that goat era um mm-hmm. but i mean if you're i mean one most impressively in, in 2019 with uh won't you be my neighbor right oh mm-hmm. no yes what, wait was once which uh, well, was the documentary you, uh, the, a beautiful day in the neighborhood beautiful day is the really should won't you be my neighbor that ugh, they got screwed out of that um, i agree <laughs> a beautiful day in the neighborhood I, it, it was one of my favorite performances of last year mm-hmm. and this falls short of that, but for for very different reason. I, I think that this script doesn't call for him to really go there, except, I mean, he's got this really tender moment um, in the third act, and, and you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. There goes the game winner right there, right? Um, yes. <laughs> like, and, 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 and that's something that he's always got in his bag. That's like, that's clutch Tom Hanks. So, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> to put it, like, in the scope of his filmography, you know, I'm going to say that this probably falls somewhere in like the uh, inside the, the the middle, and that's not a bad thing at all. And that's exactly what LeBron's doing right now. He's getting through the game, and then in the fourth quarter, he's turning it on. <laughs> I watched them just last week, so no, that's 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 right on. I agree with you. Uh, Helena Zengel, I saw her in System Crasher a couple years back, and it premiered on Netflix. This was a movie about a foster kid in the in the foster foster care system in Europe and in Germany, I believe. And she was just like this tornado of energy, obviously in that movie. And I was shocked that, yeah, she flips out on Tom Hanks once in a while in this, in this story, but she's giving this poised understated performance. Yeah. She's giving this. She's very subdued for what I would think this wow. type of character calls for. I mean, you know, I think most recently I would kind of describe this as like, you know, in James Mango's Logan, right? Where we yeah. have Daphne Keene um, as Laura, you know, playing opposite Hugh Jackman. And sure. th- there's a bit more uh, kind of like these, these, this like dynamic, you know, di- dynamic to her performance because she's a child. And, mm-hmm. you know, with what Helen is doing, it's a really one. I'm not familiar with this story at all. And it, for a second, I was a bit so like, you know, she's. How she get to America, right? And I know that they talk about it, but it wasn't like really, really gripping me. And but like ultimately, she's kind of like having to get used to this Western culture, but having been you know living with you know um, you know native you know yeah. American Indians and stuff like. Every time they said Indian, did you, did you cringe a little? I don't know why that cringe. word is really starting to bother me. They they started to use Kiowa a little yes. more the, yeah. in the tribe, and she. I mean, this girl is so precocious, mm-hmm. and she's such a brilliant. Uh, actress, actress that I mean, everybody's been gushing about her for forever. If you if you read or listen to all the interviews, and she learned Kiowa. I mean, this is a girl who speaks German, doesn't really speak English all that much. She learned English and she learned Kiowa for wow. this role. <laughs> Unbelievable. So you're you're right. I think I think there's a lot of those moments in this movie. I think they they accentuate them on purpose, mm-hmm. where you get the racism, you get the chauvinism you get the brutality and the barbarism of this post-civil war and they do stick out like sore thumbs back then it was probably more constant and that's why i said at the beginning of this review i was like hey 
it's hard to find heroes in this time period, Very. especially Tom Hanks heroes. But I, I was really impressed with the uh, rapport that those two had, Tom Hanks and Helena Zengel. And I, I think this is another uh, – it's kind of rare when you get a child actor this talented. Uh, Ibrahima Gay from The Life Ahead this year with Sophia Loren was the other discovery of the yeah. year in terms of child actors that are, that are just awesome, that are immediately talented. And uh, Helena Zengel, again, really establishing herself, I thought. Uh, I don't know if she's going to get Oscar momentum, but uh, I guess we'll talk about that in a second. The last thing, and you kind of already mentioned it, like cinematography, you really get grand landscapes. I wonder how the Academy is going to look at it with uh, with the fact that I, I think they take points off sometimes if you just put a camera out into the wild and mm-hmm. shoot it. But the, Nomadland, so they're probably uh, yeah. going to pick Nomadland. What, any more thoughts on the cinematography or the score you were saying you loved that as well? Yeah, I thought the score was great. This movie is Oscar baity. Um, I just don't know if there's enough on the hook to be able to land like the big Oscar fish, um, especially to what we thought like prognosticating at the beginning of 2020. Right. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there's some good stuff here. Like I, I like the production design. You know, we get to that um, to that town. Of, well, I forget. It's rate rates. Uh, some, oh, some, yeah. You know, little like Rathbone whole, town. Rathbone I forget something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but like it was cool. And the fact that I love a movie that is set at nighttime where I can really see things going on. So I like that. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I like the costuming. Um, there was one scene. Um, yeah, that, that I think like the big, you know, the, the, the big action set piece um, that takes place, you know, and there's like this shootout and they're like the, just the rocks and the kind of like this um, this calcification on the rocks. Like, I don't know why it just stuck out to me. Like, I, I, I've been really into color lately, especially when I get a chance to watch a movie on film. Yeah. And I, be, I love being able to see like this green and white mixed with the gray. Um, so like stuff like that really worked on me. Um, so I, I think it's going to score more love um, in the text. I don't know if it's going to be enough to be able to get some nominations. I know we have a lot of uh, you know regional critics associations and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. that's already weighing in on what 2020 was for them. Um, unfortunately, I don't hear um, a lot about news of the world in that conversation. I think you're you know speaking to what the pundits are saying right now too. And, and you're right on because cinematography, costumes, production design – a lot of people have news of the world in those fives, right? And I, and I think it is a you know a dearth of some of the big studio fare that they typically nominate, but it mm-hmm. it also is obvious quality, like the product, the sets they make for this. They basically you know go to a lot and they build an old post Civil War village, right? Yep. <laughs> you can't get that unless you got like this hundred million dollar production or whatever this one was. So th- that happens uh, for a big universal movie like this is. Otherwise, I think a lot of these, you know, the, the key players above the line, like Paul Greengrass, like Helena Zengel, like Tom Hanks, they're all in the top tens, mm-hmm. but they're not necessarily in top fives right now. And for Helena Zengel, I'm a little dismayed because I'm actually pushing her in my top five at this moment. I, th- I thought she was excellent. And, and that's a wide open category supporting yeah. actress. Otherwise, I think, you know, everybody's like, this might be a Best Picture nom. It might not be. I wonder if this movie is or it was so overrated and maybe overhyped, especially in the Oscar community and the punditry there, that people will actually find this movie and be like, hey, look at the quality here. Look at the quality across the board. Do you think this movie has a chance to kind of, you know, the field comes back to it a little bit? I think because the Oscar window has been extended, I do believe so. 
I think a lot of us already kind of have, like to me, I think our, I think whatever we have as our top five is pretty strong. But if we're really trying to figure out like that bottom five, if we do actually get to 10, I don't see any reason why this movie mm-hmm. can't get there. And not because I believe that this movie is, is, you know, one of the 10 best films of the year, but just we both know how the game is played, right? Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. is the type of the movie that can appeal to a lot of the older audiences and has a lot of the elements that people in the industry respect. And that's, yes. you know, that's just what comes with the game, right? Is I believe that LeBron James is the best player in the world. But I do know for a fact that there's about four or five players on any, any given night can just go out there and just light it up. You know, it doesn't mean that they're better in some respects, but it's all about the narrative. And that's what this game has. The narrative that you have, Tom Hanks, you've got Greengrass, you know, um, this is a movie that is saying something. And I think people like I would like I said, I was caught off guard with the political commentary, you know, inside this film. Was it enough of it? That's going to be left up for people to be able to decide. But I do mm-hmm. think that there is room for a conversation to be have. Um, because it's 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 been less than two weeks that the movie's been out, right? Um, right? You know, and this is one of the you know the the only one of the few notable films that are on that universal release schedule. You know, where it gets the three weekends and then it's on PVOD. So now this is going to have a bit more eyes on it, right? Maybe there's the dads that I'm talking about in my dad movie analysis. <laughs> they're going to be like, hey. Wow, look at this. You know, we got Tom Hanks. I think that this may get a little bit more attention than what the Greyhound does. Interesting that you say that because, yeah, the Greyhound I, Greyhound was quite the experience on Apple TV Plus a while back, especially in the technical categories. I thought they really mm-hmm. had some superlatives involved. But this movie, uh, like I said, is probably getting more momentum now, and Greyhound's kind of forgotten. Uh, I, James, I, It's crazy to think. Greyhound yeah. came out in 2020, right? Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. The, it I was thought it was like two movie. years ago. <laughs> Right, Mike keeps doing that, and he keeps trolling people on Twitter too. He's like, "No, the way back from Ben Affleck." The game back <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, he keeps doing that stuff, it, guys. He's messing with you. He knows anyway. Uh, I think uh, I think this movie is going to find nominations in the undercard. I wonder if it's going to get boxed out in all the big categories. But then again, if it does have that support from all the crafts, and and I was going to mention before James Newton Howard who's been nominated a bunch is, you know, he's a fixture in the original score category. Mm -hmm. Uh, He did the score for this one. It's number one on Clayton Davis's list at variety right now in terms of his awards circuit. So it definitely has a place at the Oscars. So I'm glad we did this today. I'm glad we did a non-spoiler look and we're, we're making great time here. This is about a half hour. We're doing an hour show. Uh, I guess to close this segment here, Colby, what, do you put a you know uh, in terms of a grade? What do you put out of ten? Uh, I'll, I'll have my you know uh, F through A grade uh, coming up uh, as well. So what what do you have out of ten here? Yeah, on the Kobe told me scale, this movie falls comfortably somewhere between a seven and an eight. But I don't cool. do point fives. You know, right. a seven <laughs> is a good movie, an eight is a great movie, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of struggling to get it closer to the eight because I don't think there's enough. I don't think there's enough, like, you know, that something special to get it there. So I think I'm going to have to settle at a seven. But, like, yo, seven is good. This is a good movie. Seven's a good movie. Seven, and I'm the same way. I'm like, this is good to very good. And it's probably very good if, I, if I'm if i able to study it further, which, you know, it's going to be my next three months rewatching all these movies with Mike there. So this is this is a B86 for me, and I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's strange that we've, you know, we've done a couple of these movies and we kind of agree with each other mm-hmm. on, this, on the movies every time. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to review a film at some point together where we were like, no, yes, no, yeah. Well, anyway, Suicide Squad, a, let's do it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, that'll be the point counterpoint. Retrospective on Suicide 
Suicide Squad with Colby Mack. All right, so we got our grades in. Now we have a Tom Hanks top five. And, Colby, I purposely left the criteria for this Tom Hanks top five vague open-ended mike and i do this to each other because we want to kind of create different lists so that for the dueling top five episodes i i think it's fun when we kind of do different top fives and just and just kind of leave it open-ended in that way so we both use different criteria here so ex- first of all explain your criteria how did you come up with your five so tom hanks has been doing his thing longer than i've been alive you know, clap mm. it up for that right and <laughs> i think a lot of what I wanted to base my list off of is like the day that I die, right? And I can be able to go and meet Tom Hanks, you know, and wherever the place, you know, as Soul would say, we're going to be in the great beyond, right? Um, Like, I'm like, yo, these are the five films and your performances that just stuck with me. Not necessarily the best, you know, Um, because this catalog is so vast. I mean, I think if we do the best, a lot of people kind of have you know what? I don't know. I think with Tom Hanks, because his catalog is so expansive, I think a lot of people can have five different bests where they don't all sound the same. But this is mostly my favorite. What's going to stick with me, the things that like I'll always rem- remember from his performances, and also the movies that I've most rewatched, too. Yes. All right. So perfect. So you did a favorite film and a kind of a quintessential film list for Tom Hanks, whereas I did like my favorite performances. So we're going to we're going to reveal a lot about our childhoods, about our uh, formative years, I'm sure, uh, throughout this episode. But uh, start out with your five, your 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 number five and your Tom Hanks uh, favorite film, top five quintessential film, top five for Colby Mack here. Yeah, man. Colby told me in his top five Tom Hanks films, coming in number five is Philadelphia. Nice. Um, Obviously, it's a movie that got him the Academy Award. First Um, one. Be kind of hard for that not to be, you know, on the list. And not just because it's an absolutely, it's a gut-wrenching performance, you know. Um, Knowing where we were 30-plus years ago with the HIV and AIDS crisis, um, it was something that was deeply traumatic to be able to see on screen with a man as an actor that we fall in love with. And let me just tell people a little bit about what movie stars do, right? When you Mm. are a movie star, not only do you see the character that they're playing, but that movie stardom comes through and you almost kind of connect to this actor. There were people who generally thought that Tom Hanks was sick. Um, It says that shows how convincing the performance was the makeup was. I remember the, when I was old enough to really understand and appreciate this film. Like I had seen it once when I was a kid and I kind of got back to it like in my later years. I'm just like, yo, this is, it, it's a movie that's contemplative. Um, the fact that it's still, it, it, it's a courtroom drama and you don't expect to kind of get that in there. I love that mix. Him with Denzel as his co-star. I mean, come on. It, it's it's crazy to think that they haven't done anything. Right, right. Don't make sure I'm good. I don't think so either. Yeah, they no. should. They should do like 10 movies. They should, should be mandated that Tom Hanks and Denzel keep working with each other after that. I agree. It was uh, so good. And and, and it, it's, it's interesting because I think that they're, their filmography like go has gone through similar parallels, mm-hmm. um, and it, it's a really really impressive performance uh, and a fantastic movie. And um, yeah, glad to have that as like the starting out my list at number five. Acting sick, but also strong as hell and mm-hmm. resolute, resolute in his starting point and a fixture for the Denzel character, which is at the core of that movie. I, I just watched it a year ago. The Denzel character has the arc. 
Yes. Uh, even more so than Tom Hanks, which I thought was a fascinating setup for that film. And it's lawyer to lawyer, and they, they come together uh, in, in their profession. But obviously, uh, on a personal journey, they're, they're in two different worlds. So Jonathan Demme, he's made some of the best films of that era with the silence of the lambs with uh with philadelphia there and yeah th- this one it holds up i i agree with you philadelphia is is a is a great performance and i'm the oscar critic and i didn't pick philadelphia <laughs> but again my favorite performances and i got i just got some attachments here colby and yeah number one attachment is a movie nobody would expect me to pick but i'm gonna pick it anyway because this meant so much to my childhood it's the money pit the money pit is my number five this is a childhood favorite and colby when i was a kid these were some of the hardest laughs i've ever laughed while watching a movie these are whole family laughing until we're kind of crying and then we just love that we're laughing so much that we keep laughing like a bunch of insane people it was one of those kind of laughs because this is tom hanks as a comedian in one uh, you know, situational comedy scene after another. And I haven't watched this movie maybe, you know, since like three years ago, but I did watch it three years ago. I can report it's still funny. I don't know if I'm laughing till I cry laugh like I was when I was a kid, but here's where I gained a lot of respect for this movie when I was kind of doing my research for this episode, though. These writers have nothing to do with comedy for the rest of their careers. This is David Geiler, Geiler. This dude like wrote and produced all of the Alien sequels, Colby, and he was like one of the <laughs> one of the writers on the original Alien. Anyway, the director is a guy who did like the original Westworld. I should have wrote his name down. I didn't. Anyway, this is just a Tom Hanks showcase. This is Tom Hanks doing goofy ass shit for two hours. This is Tom Hanks reacting to this house, house, this money pit, which is what the story is about. This house falling apart and the relationship he has with his his new wife falling apart and uh, or girlfriend falling apart, uh, played by Shelley Long there, who's again, you know, from Cheers, great actress in her own right. So, dude, if you if you I don't know if you've seen this, if you haven't revisit it, I haven't. There's a so there's a too long of a list um, of films from Tom that I haven't seen. So I'm definitely going to make this a point because like one, I love Shelley Long. Okay. That is my Miss Carol Brady. All right, <laughs> shout out, to, shout out to the Brady Bunch movie. Yes, um, like she will always be my Miss Brady. So yeah, I'm gonna put this on the list. I will get to this uh, soon. It's goofy. Don't expect like the. It's a 48 Metascore, so I don't think you're gonna get a great film, but you're gonna get like a. I would say like a Farrelly Brothers comedy rated, uh, you know, rated film there. So that sounds th- like this is was... right up my alley. It's 80s. It's weird. It might be dated again. A couple years ago, there might be a few foot and mouth moments. There might be a few issues. Hopefully not. I don't remember. Again, a couple years ago, I should have noticed it. So, but <laughs> funny, goofy ass Tom Hanks. Yeah, big laughs. All right, your number four. Yeah, my number four on the list is Castaway. Nice, Robert Zemeckis. I mean. It feels like this is one of the biggest films of the past 20 years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think it was it was a chance to see Tom Hanks in a little bit different way. I think it was kind of like, you know, after his six for six era, as I'll put it, right? Um, but still like a film where, I mean, you know, you, you have a, one, something about the biggest product placement probably in the, in the history of movies with FedEx, right? And how much FedEx probably paid to be a part. <laughs> they, they must be executive producers of the film. It's gotta be. Um, but... I mean, it's it's a man on an island, 
And Tom Hanks has to do some heavy lifting, the fact that he has to be able to keep our attention and our mm. fascination with this man and this character, he against the elements, and then there's Wilson. Um, Wilson is probably one of the biggest co-stars <laughs> of his career. Um, I mean, it's it's a pop culture icon, you know? Um, <laughs> like, Wilson! Oh my gosh. It, it's, it's that good. Um, he, you know... It's the type of performance that he brings something different. I think he leans into his dramatic bag. He also leans into in, into his uh, comedic bag from some of the films that he's done before. And then it still ends up being a love story too. Like I think it's like it's crazy how much can get wrapped up into this. And I think it's a film that is um, a classic. I think it's a, one of the easiest watches that he has in this catalog. You can throw it on and just watch it with family. Watch it by yourself. Super entertaining film number four. So this is going to show up later on my list. Okay. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And uh, it is a one of my favorite Tom Hanks performances, no doubt about it. I did not think about the FedEx angle. That is that is brilliant. I guess Netflix is going to be big enough to get, you know, to score one of those oh, major yeah. endorsements now. But, yeah, I mean, it is a weird year. There hasn't been a ton of huge product placement that I can recall, uh, strangely enough. So, that yeah, I mean, again, I just we're so inundated with movies, a couple hundred movies a year. And uh, it's, it's wild to think back about a 90s movie with, you know, the whole of Act One built around product placement, like yeah. the good old days. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, All it was right. weird. It was like it was like a training video for like, hey, so you thought about joining FedEx? Let me tell you a little bit about it. This is ground. <laughs> this is air. This is Express Air. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> this is what a FedEx a FedEx executive is made of, folks. He do, he survives a desert island. Yeah, I love it. It's yeah, it's an employment tool for sure. Uh, I love Castaway. I, I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. My number four, again, I don't think, well, this is actually not a surprise to MMOers because Mike and I did the Pixar rewatch series. My number four is Toy, Toy Story. And growing up, Toy Story was like a major movie for me. It's 12 years old. I'm 12 years old when it came out, I think, 96, mm-hmm. 95. It was such a novelty. Like this animation was so different than any animated film that ever ever, you know, hit the movie theaters and I was I'm the oldest of five boys in my family. So I got all these younger brothers. So I am like an expert on animated films because all the younger brothers we go to young kid movies my whole childhood even into my teens, right? So Toy Story, I'm like an animated film connoisseur, which is why I forced Mike to do the whole Pixar rewatch. <laughs> this film was so revolutionary with that unique look to it. But what I didn't expect, right? You know, we had all the we had all the trailers. I remember being hyped. I remember it was a movie event. But what we didn't expect was like this tremendous story, this tremendous movie, like an all-time great screenwriting, a screenplay. Uh, Tom Hanks elevates a screenplay like this with this voice acting performance and it's wild because mike and i dove into the behind the scenes stuff and the production story and how tom hanks couldn't fix this character because of the take he was using in all of the like the reels they were showing just executives, right? And then this movie had a lot of issues. It had development hell. And they're spending all this money to animate it, right? Because they had to animate it like five years early, but they were failing on a story level. And then Tom Hanks strikes the right tone with this character. This is this is a grump with a heart of gold. This is a manic character. This is a vindictive character. But again, when he's humbled... He comes around, and the big thing is he cares for all the other toys there. 
and that that that's he gets the act two that he deserves, but he makes friends with Woody and totally redeems himself by early act two. Uh, Toy Story, how, where does that rank for you in terms of you know animated films, perhaps, or uh, do you have any of the same attachments here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was ten years old when the film came out, and mm-hmm. keep my, I played with action figures up until the time that I was twenty five. Um, I truly like it's one of those things where my imagination is so big where I have impressed upon and just given these toys you know their identities and like when I'm not playing with them like they truly are not a lot and like one films about toys mean a lot to me shout out to the Indian in the cupboard okay like it's a film that like you just connect with as a child and it's weird watching it I was 10 and then now critiquing when I'm in my 30s and now not only this the movie franchise has grown with me. It brings like this kind of like something really special to the character of Woody. And just Definitely. like what Tom does with his voice. And I mean, the, the amount of dedication you guys did into your Pixar, for those that are listening and have not got a chance, go back and listen to that entire <laughs> Pixar series. All right. You're talking about 20 something episodes of like deep, deep research <laughs> and study deep. on. And I, I love you guys for it because it really brings out like the best and highlighted like especially in the case of Toy Story, this mm. is like, it's not just a kid's movie. It's not a cartoon. It's not right. to be taken lightly. Like, I don't think that it should like not be on the caliber. Like when I go back and I'm looking at the Oscars, like, you know, from that, you know, the, 90, the 96 Oscars, I'm looking like, you know, Nicolas Cage won for Leaving Las Vegas. Great performance, right? Mm-hmm. Anthony mm-hmm. Hopkins, he was nominated. Richard Dreyfuss, Sean Penn. You know, there was definitely some like some heat in there. I really wish that we can recognize how much voice work, like just in any respect, that needs to be a category unto itself inside the Oscars. Because um, it's going to be hard for them to kind of break through performance wise, you know, when we're talking about live action. But if we're like, if voice work, like if there's some really great things. Keep in mind, I was a Tim Allen man, okay? Like, <laughs> <laughs> right? That, that's me, right? The Santa Claus, home improvement. Like, this is a film that where. It should have been all about Buzz, and it kind of was, and that's kind of the point of the entire film. And you could hear this manicness that he was doing with his voice, and like I, I just I love this character, and it's weird sometimes when I look at him, mm. like I feel like I can see Tom. You know, it, it's it's wild, it's uncanny when you hear that voice. If you don't see his face, you think you hear Woody, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's one of those situations where. Toy Story might be a pitch-perfect comedy. And when Mike yeah. and I researched it and we saw all the issues they were having in development, it was like, how how did it come? How did this perfect movie come from, you know, such rocky beginnings? And, yeah, I, I just think, I think Toy Story is going to go down as one of those landmark achievements forever. And, and it, it, it's really wild to, to learn how much Tom Hanks had to play, had, you know, the part he had to play throughout and how he was friends with Steve Jobs and how, you know, how he was with them for that, like, five, six-year period. And the fact that, that, you know, we got four of these now and three of them have won Oscars. And I, I, if I'm honest, I think Toy Story 3 might actually be the best movie of the series somehow. <sighs> but it's, it's tough. So I, I, I still have four better than three. Like wow. before, really, it, it shocked me because I feel like it put a bow on everything that where at the time three was like, it was great. Like I was a three, one, two guy and mm-hmm. now I'm a four, three, one, two guy. Um, and wow. it, it, it's just, it's, and, and we might as well skip it. Like, so Toy Story is my number three in my list. Perfect. So like while okay, we're good. here, like it sucks that there was no best animated feature 
you know, back in the day for this to be able to claim. It did get a special prize at the Academy yes. Awards because uh, they knew, like, yo, this is – I mean, granted, yeah, we had Beauty and the Beast, we had Aladdin, we had Mulan. This is something different. Like, it, 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 they, a lot of people didn't know what to do. And <laughs> I, I just think that as a movie, it's impressive, like – you know the 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 choice, and it's so funny. I was I was watching this video where it's like, uh, like, oh, dude, you know that um, all the kids in the film they're all Andy, yeah, because they are all the same template. Yeah, they're all this because it's like they like they didn't have enough money and time to make them any different. So they just here's Andy in a dress, here's Andy in a hat. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And we didn't have enough money to make adults, so it's just like we're not going to shoot them. Past them. We're not going to show them at all. And it's it's so interesting and just like like the, the great ensemble of like voice actors you have there like was really really great. And then just growing up, like Toy Story two was definitely fun. And, and you know, and the thing is, I I feel like. I'm almost going to take Toy Stories 2 as serious because I think you also had the video game, the the the, the toy, like it, it took on a bigger life of its own. And then when Toy Story 3, <laughs> you kind of got back to the roots of what like we fell in love with these characters. And then when you think that there was no story to tell and, and like I have the Toy Story franchise in my number three spot. And I think number four what? is completely Woody's movie. And the caliber of acting that's coming from Tom Hanks and his voice inflection, because you can hear how Woody's a bit old, a bit weathered, and a bit kind of jaded on what's this whole thing. And I, I, I've definitely, I, I am really, really impressed with how strong the ending in a lot of Pixar films went. And this line, I just will not forget it. When Rex says, oh my God, Woody's a lost toy. Mm. And then you have Buzz says, no, not anymore. Holy <laughs> shit! These are toys, bro! <laughs> God, it's sophistication. Then, it really is the fact that they say to infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. It really, really is. I think if aliens came down to Earth and said, "Galen, like we need this quintessential five movies," there's no one cannot have Woody <laughs> in Toy Story a part of this list. I made this list ten different ways, right? And I had all of his big movies on here, and then I was like, "Who am I kidding?" I just, I, I have to put Toy Story on here as well, and I, I ran up against the same problem that you that you did, and uh, I agree. So, I think, uh, I think it's a pitch perfect comedy, and I'm glad we both have it on our list. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys want some Toy Story listening, uh, we reviewed all four in our Pixar rewatch series there, and if you thought I laughed at Colby. No, I laughed with Colby when he talked about a man who loves his toys because I got a whole shelf of all these pop <laughs> and all these toys. But now I'm like the collector who has them all in their boxes. But when we do get on, we were talking pre-show. If we do get on YouTube, we'll have a background ready. All right, Colby. Oh, yeah. That was your number three. I'm going to go yep. with my number three here. And then I think... I think there's no transition because I just got to get into it, but it's Saving <laughs> Private Ryan. I don't know how I wrote this where I had Toy Story to Saving Private Ryan, but it, it, it's just the truth. I, what if I told you? <laughs> that uh, they're, they're linked forever? No. Uh, no, what if I told you I've never seen Saving Private Ryan? Well, no, you're in for a treat then. So the Money Pit, Saving Private Ryan, I mean, in terms of Tom Hanks' performances, this is epic. And like you said before, God mode Tom Hanks. Like this is the mm-hmm. end of God mode Tom Hanks or towards the end of that, you know, ultimate uh, era for him. 1998, Tom Hanks in slow motion reacting to the D-Day sequence on the beach, loses his hearing. I mean, that's from all the trailers. This is Tom Hanks at, at the peak. Well, I don't know if it's the peak of his powers because I'm going to actually have that phrase coming up. But I never knew my grandpa. I, I knew he served in World War II. I knew he was in Battle of the Bulge. Like, when I 
think of my grandpa after this movie, it's insane not to think of Tom Hanks. <laughs> That's how much this movie mm-hmm. kind of meant to me at the time. And it, he's going in from one insane death trap after the next, fighting through France, all to save one man, all to save Private Ryan. This is Steven Spielberg. This is a Steven Spielberg masterpiece, in my my opinion. It should have won Best Picture ten times out of ten, hundred times out of hundred over Shakespeare in Love, which is another movie that I do like. I don't dislike Shakespeare in Love or hate it because it it won that year, but not in the same ballpark as Save It Save It Private Ryan. I wonder if there was a little war movie fatigue. Or, or whatnot. This was kind of one of those situations where it might have been Spielberg fatigue. It might have been Tom Hanks fatigue, like the Le- LeBron situation, Michael Jordan situation. People don't want to vote for the same guy every year as the MVP. It's the Oscars, and the Oscars are even more impatient of the same people winning it year in and year out. Just ask Daniel Day Lewis. So, all right. Mm. So, you got Saving Private Ryan on the list now. There we go. Colby, you're number two. Man, my number two. Um, Growing up, I mean, I'm an 80s baby, but I'm a 90s kid, and it's kind of hard to not have sports movies as like a like a staple, a part of just what your everyday watch. It sucks that we don't get them as much. Like I feel like sports movies when where are you they? and I were kids, I don't know, man. I think because well, kids don't they don't fucking go outside, bro. Like they're all on their phones. They, they they don't play sports, and the sports are too organized now, where it's like they don't feel like you're just doing it for like for fun, right? You don't go out and back and ball on a stick and like you know play in the middle of the street. You, don't, you just don't do that, right? It's like it's too organized now, so it's kind of hard to like, have like a love for it. Yeah, yeah. it's the kids are you're having to play however many baseball games a week it's it's too much in a way and it, yeah it's it's maybe we're oversaturated with the amount of sports on television but I, I agree we we've actually both have this as our number two so go ahead your number two tom hanks movie here yeah man this is um tom hanks is jimmy dugan <laughs> in a league of their own Perfect. i mean one Keep in mind, not only is it a sports movie, I think most kids grow up as baseball, kind of like as their first love, for the most part. Um, that's <laughs> what I they did. they go over, you know, nine. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like absolutely. Then you realize, well, I can't hit worth a lick. I definitely can't pitch. I can catch. You know, but that's like not too fun, right? right. But this movie has like such an energy to it. Um, it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's got some of the biggest babes that I loved when I was a kid. Okay, guys, if you don't know from Kobe by now, the one thing that was just his cup of tea when he was young was like tall white women with big boobs. And it didn't get no better from Gina Davis, all right? So, (laughs) plus you had Madonna. You had a movie with Gina Davis and Madonna. Let me tell you, Tom Hanks, you are a lucky man. And it was great to be able to like one I can appreciate this film now because not only are these characters amazing the pacing of this film is great the writing is so slick they're characters that you love and it has the formula of everything that you look for in a sports film Mm. you know you've got like you know the alcoholic either you know managers like you get those archetypes and they just work and it's this is a film that you can just throw on at any time the fact that this is directed by a woman yeah. The fact that this story is about women, the fact that this story is written by a woman, like this has got to be like a top five female led vehicle like ever. We almost did a, a retrospective series on Penny Marshall a few times and we still might. Uh, she is 
Certainly a trailblazer. She's an all-time great Nick fan, by the yeah. way. New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> sure One of my is. most favorite Nick fans to ever live. And, yeah, I just read her biography, uh, her autobiography, and she narrates it, which is the very best part. It's like six hours on Audible. Go go check it out. But, yeah, what a character her she is. And, and it, it's no... It's no surprise that she gets a movie with this amount of heart that that's this funny. Like she is a hilarious human being and I'm with you. I think I think it's crazy. We we built our list differently uh, under different criteria and yet we have things in common. So this is like <laughs> this is like the delight of these top 5 episodes and it, it's wild how this happens, but I do think Jimmy Dugan, I mean it, it's dr- he plays drunk to perfection, Tom Hanks. Oh this my is gosh. This is uh when he pees pees in the in the dugout. <laughs> it's, this, is, this guy, he's so like slunk and and, and hungover yeah. and the way that he spits and like expected comedy. Like one of the Oh my gosh. Never and thought that one of the most forgettable lines ever. <laughs> Are you crying? There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> Iconic. I mean, it is Iconic, perhaps yes. the most quintessential baseball movie scene to ever exist and I just think it is a rounded character for Hanks too. It is a oh, character yeah. that is not this wholesome guy with, you know, this totally wholesome guy that, that that is everybody's hero that you remember all the time Hanks movies for. This is a character that has somewhere to go. He has to learn how to, you know, befriend women. He doesn't treat women correctly in this movie. And that is the scene that encapsulates it. And he's got an arc to him. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it It's really impressive that one, this character... Like it doesn't rely on there being like a, like he's not like she's not, Betty's not a, he, she's not a, a love interest mm-hmm. to Jimmy no and like it's weird because I thought like yo aren't they supposed to be a thing and I think Work there's like one scene watches. where like you squint and like yeah. huh but like no that that's not what this story was about and I think that's what makes it like so um, excuse me I said Betty is Dottie Dottie, Dottie right. come on guys um, man like it's Gosh, this cast. I'm just looking it over. I'm like, man, Lori <laughs> Petty, Madonna, Rosie O'Donnell, and like, goodness gracious, man. And I know Woo! he did like a, a, a dramatic, a semi-dramatic film a few years before that was a flop. I forget what it is. I, I just closed my Tom Hanks IMDb. Anyway, this was the first like successful dramatic well, turn for him. This where is he what had, kicked off. Yeah. for me, the goat. Like, so like what? This is what 90, 92. This is ninety two. Yeah. My gosh, ninety two. Sheesh. Um, yeah so like this is what kicks off it for me and, and like we'll probably get to like that like really define what like i think what we have like in regards to what i call the goat era but this is what the film that kicked it off for me you know what just dawned on me we've been talking about basketball this whole episode 1992 93 wasn't <gasps> wasn't that jordan's first championship so it was or 91 92 91 92 93 the break yes uh, well, at 1991, 90, 96, 97, 98, yeah. Tom Hanks goat era and the Michael Jordan goat era, like I said, 98, 99, they're kind of similar, kind of parallel there. That's yeah. dawning on me a little bit. Anyway, I do think he's transitioning out of that comedian phase and he does it with a couple movies. He yes. does it with Sleepless in Seattle. Eventually you've got mail. He'll piggyback on that. But this movie, like he's got some dramatic scenes in here too. Like there's a telegram scene uh, surrounding World War One, oh and gosh. you can guess what it's about. But there's a scene where he acts the hell out of it and he's comforting this woman. And I just thought he, he played it pitch perfect again. You know, this is... This is a brilliant man. If I go yeah. read go read stuff about him, go listen to his interviews. Like Feinberg and him did an interview a few few uh, months. Well, I'm sorry, it's about a year and a half ago. I was gonna say 
a few months ago, but I, I re-listened to it a few months ago because I keep listening to that episode just so dense with uh, with Tom Hanks, you know, kernels of uh, wisdom. I mean, this is a guy that is like one of the most brilliant actors, and he just he's got all the ticks in the uh, in the book. I mean, he's got all the tiny gestures in the world, and then he knows how to change his voice for the comedy again, based on what we talked about in Toy Story. Like when he cracks his voice in here, I just I think it's one of the most memorable baseball movie characters maybe ever maybe the most memorable baseball movie uh of all time and, and mike and i did our baseball movie award show because we were craving sports movies like you said going into this one because it's not they're not coming out anymore i guess i'm waiting for the Jonas and tetacumpo movie and i'm waiting for the taiko watiti rugby movie at this point because there's i mean space champ too obviously but that's gonna be for kids i mean are you looking forward to any sports movies do you have any of those on your radar Man, I feel like they're not. I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, I, 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 I guess they? Space Jam. It's like, it's like now when the like, I feel like the sports movies now are so hokey. They're not reserved. Like sports movies don't really jump to the big screen. Yeah, you know, like they used to. Like I grew up on Ladybugs, the big, the big green. <laughs> um, like you know, like uh, you know, um, rookie oh of gosh. the year. I mean, you're yeah, speaking rookie my of the year, Angels on the Outfield, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, where now the films that and like I feel like they just. These studios don't give a shit about them, so like they're like the poorest of quality because the kids who actually watch them, they don't care. They're not looking for anything. Um, and I, I mean, what, what was the last? I guess the way back. The way that, back that was a sports movie. Safety on <laughs> Disney Plus. Did you watch Safety? I didn't watch it yet. The Clemson. So football. I didn't watch it because yeah. Disney Plus, man. Like people have the same those the, these straight like these actual designed streaming films, especially like for Disney Plus. Right. They're. They're like what Disney Channel original movies were, and sometimes they're slightly better, but not really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like uh, they're they're not designed to be really impressive. The impressive Disney Plus stuff is the stuff they plan for theaters, and I think they're transitioning Correct. because they're trying to just like hold the hold sway until all their Marvel and Star Wars TV series came out, and they were going to coast on their you know coast on their catalog for a while, and then they, obviously the pandemic hit and there was just that high demand but i yeah i'm with you i think uh i think i've been putting off the safety i'm, I'm probably gonna click play on it sometimes because i i love sports movies so much i watch them yeah. even when they're bad um let me get my number one out of the way first we'll, we'll close with you we'll close you have the hammer on this one because okay. you already mentioned my number one it, it is castaway and castaway to me is just tom hanks peak of his powers the ultimate movie showcase if in, in, in acting showcase rather in the dictionary acting showcase tom hanks acting against that volleyball that becomes his best friend i never thought when man gets separated from volleyball that i would cry in a movie theater <laughs> at a young age where i was supposed to be tough in the late 90s you know almost you know 17 18 years old whatever i was I should be, I'm not that old, I'm a 15, 16, crying in the movie theater. What the hell was wrong with me? But it's Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks did it to me. When he dances around that first fire and he yells, I, I made fire. I mean, the best, <laughs> the best of Tom Hanks, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the, again, the, one of the most memorable scenes of his career. And I am that body right now. We were talking about <laughs> so maybe if I made this list years ago, I would be you know I'd pick something else. But I'm pre 
desert island lost all the weight tom hanks dad body right now and when i just you know rewatching all the clips from castaway seeing him <laughs> going around that and, and and just acting the hell out of that scene and it, like he does the whole movie and then he, he he does the Robinson Crusoe thing. He's got the romantic arc with Helen Hunt. I don't necessarily think this is the best Tom Hanks movie, and, and neither do you, but I am all about Castaway as just that performance that sticks in my head. And, and when I think about Tom Hanks' career, I'm going to be like, I remember him yelling at that fire in triumph. Absolutely, man. It's definitely... The- because it's like a man versus nature film, mm-hmm. there's a sense of like this kind of like aggro pride that I know as a man, I kind of have with it. like, man, if I ever got trapped on, you know, a, a, a desert island, right? Mm-hmm. You know, could I make it work? Well, if Tom did it. Yeah, that gives me a sense of hope, right? Like as long as I got a volleyball and some fire, I think I'll be good. He's got that every man to him. And maybe it's the yes. FedEx job. Maybe you nailed it from the beginning. It's the product <laughs> placement, every bad job. And look, I love, I, I particularly loved Russell Crowe in Gladiator. That was his star-making performance, even though I know L.A. Confidential was a few years before. Mm-hmm. I, you know, looking back, though, I think this was a case where they just didn't want to give Tom Hanks two in a row. This was a case where, t- you know, Castaway, for whatever reason, I don't remember that campaign, it didn't get Oscar love anywhere other than best sound. It was just, it was a two nominee mm-hmm. picture. So th- that really hurts it uh, in the Academy at the end of the day, when they're finally voting on the winners, if, if you don't have other nominations elsewhere, I mean, we've only seen it happen a few times where a two yeah. nomination film can win like last year with Judy, but usually it doesn't happen. So that that's an interesting Oscar situation and uh, maybe a retrospective we'll all have to do at some point with Castaway. but all right, you got to be the closer. Who, uh, what, what Tom Hanks performance, what Tom Hanks film is your number one? Yeah, I'm going to lay down the hammer with his first film <laughs> that he ever made. Introduction to this man mm-hmm. and that fro. It's going to be Splash. Yes. And once again, <laughs> Daryl Hannah, what did I say, y'all? Tall, white women, big boobs. <laughs> there we go. Oh, and we actually got to see them. Like, so we got to see it. This was Ron Howard. Bless you. All right. This is a PG film. I love how Disney Plus has like tried to cover it up where they gave her like the extra long hair that covers her ass. Right, right. <laughs> just digitized it in. The but PG like, yo, this, of yesteryear was very different yes. than the PG of today, right? Absolutely. What, Eugene Levy, right? Like as a bad guy? That's right. <laughs> the jerk best friend? Like who oh my gosh. Like this movie is so funny and I could just turn it on whatever. Give me this over Little Mermaid any day. <laughs> I mean, just a regular guy. And that's the thing. For so long, Tom Hanks has been just like a guy's guy. He's been to every man. Mm. And, you know, here's this this kind of nerd who just so happens to luck in to this beautiful creature who only wants him. Like, is that not every man's dream? <laughs> like, it absolutely is. And it's in New York, greatest city in the world. Um, and it definitely captures New York. It smells and looks like New York, even when I still watch it today. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's really, really funny. Um, it's short. It's, it, it, well, not short. It's like an hour and 51 minutes. But like, it's something about the story where it just moves and you easily become invested into these characters. I think the jokes are great. Um, you're root form you know there's like a little you know kind of like a, i guess a, a wonder woman 84s kind of like True. you know hokey bad guy <laughs> but like yo that's the beauty of the 80s it was a simple time 
I love this film, and because it was like my first introduction to him, it'll always be number one in my Well, here's the thing about that movie, too. When you think about just story structure, I don't mean to take it on a serious route here, but they I did know. just remake <laughs> Splash uh, as a Best Picture winner in The Shape of Water. I mean, we all know this right now. Mike yeah. and I have made that uh, comparison. <laughs> it's the same movie, folks. Don't don't think otherwise. If you if you don't want The Shape of Water spoiled for you, don't watch Splash. But oh, obviously, if you listen to us, you probably watched them all. So go watch Splash. It is The Shape of Water, and it is weirdly, strangely, somehow, a real feminist statement picture, which is refreshing and which is something that I didn't expect when I, I actually watched splash for the first time a couple years back. And I probably should have seen it, you know, well in advance of when I first watched it, but because, you know, Tom Hanks and John Candy's in this, John Candy's funny in this man, uncle Buck, one of my all time favorites uh, as well from that time period. So this movie really does in, in a way, stand the test of time at least on the story structure level yeah you got 80 stuff you got you know foot and mouth things you got you know you bite your hand once in a while you do the brant gesture from big lebowski once in a while you but you know you, there's all kinds of gifts uh for, for the <laughs> 1980s movies but this movie from ron howard you know establishing his career from tom hanks there's just a lot of truth and goodness there there's a lot of uh you know there's a lot of uh good intentions behind anything else yeah where it's and, and i just uh I was fascinated to see Guillermo del Toro just say, hey, yeah, you know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to make a best picture out of it. <laughs> hey, Got to love it, man. It, it, it's crazy to think so. We both got through our top fives. And, you know, you mentioned just, you know, a few minutes ago how, you know, what is like, you know, you believe that like what's his best. It's, it, you said that Castaway is not his best, you know, mm-hmm. movie or his best performance. Right. But, but I think like he his his. His catalog is so long. I don't know if he had, like, is there an objective best that most people agree on? I think he actually won his Oscars for his, like, maybe his second and third best performances. Like, Forrest Gump, in terms of the performance, I really enjoy it because it is, like, the perfect mixture between Tom Hanks, the comedian, in those 10 years, and then Tom Hanks in the dramatic roles in mm-hmm. those 10 years. So I, I really did think that was like, just looking back on his filmography, I, I got goosebumps when I thought about Tom Hanks uh, for as Forrest Gump. I, I think Castaway might be one of his best. I, it's a, it's a, that's a whole different top five, Colby. I don't know how yeah. I would rank best <laughs> performances of Tom Hanks because there really is that's so many. Tough. And it's yes. it's wild how we gravitated to some of the same movies today. Uh, it's it's oh, like I said, it's always a delight when we have different criteria, and yet there's there's a lot shared uh, from. From two different, uh, from two different guys, two different—not not really two different eras. I thought you were much younger than me, but actually, we are—we're uh, in a similar era. So, so I'm sorry that you're as old, you know, you're old bastard like myself. But, <laughs> but this was so much fun, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on today. I know Mike wants to get you back on. We'll do another uh, three-man weave uh, for for another reviewer for another fun episode coming up. Hey, listen. What uh, what do you got coming up? What do you want to want to push? Uh, where where can the people find you on the internet? Yeah, well, you can find your boy. I'm on all the socials at Kobe Tomi on Twitter and Instagram. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website at kobetomi.com. Um, I really need to add some stuff on there. I'm getting around to it. Um, I just got to be in the mood to write. Check out my podcast, the Kobe Tomi podcast, on all the available. 
um, on all your favorite podcast apps. And yeah, I started a YouTube. Um, yes, you did. I'm gonna I'm gonna go at my own pace, right? I got a couple of vids on there. I did one for Fatal, and I did one for for Wonder Woman. I am not the most technically inclined, so please be kind when you go ahead and watch it and then decide if you want to leave a comment or not. But yeah, support your boy. Thank you for having me on, man. This is always fun. I love it. Um, most importantly, I'm a big fan who gets to spend time with his friends that I spend time with throughout my week when you guys are in my ears <laughs> and I get to rock the mic with you. So looking forward to another episode of Mike, Mike and Mac. Well, we got to get you back for sure. And we'll, we'll make it that, uh, that hashtag right there. And we'll get that going because uh, we got, yeah, Mike one really wanted to be on today. So we'll, uh, we'll get you back on for sure. In terms of Mike, Mike and Oscar, we are, uh, we are at MM and Oscar on Twitter. Otherwise Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram, Mike, Mike and Oscar. Oscar.com is nearing a launch date, Colby. I've been working my ass off on it. And I like, you know, like you, I'm like George R. R. Martin. I've been promising more for the website <laughs> forever, but it really is coming folks. And it's, pr- I hope it's coming this award season. I think it's coming soon. Like I'm, I'm really getting close to finishing the catalog, which was the big thing. I just wanted an episode catalog where everybody can find mm-hmm. all our stuff. A lot of the stuff has a long shelf life. It's all kinds of movie reviews. So I, I was hoping like get the catalog done. And, you know, I think that's going to help, people out there you know go back to all the old stuff because like you know i keep you know self-plugging all the old stuff oh maybe maybe that's a wrong way to put it (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'm fried at the end of this episode don't read it too much into things folks but yeah i i push a lot of these uh i push a lot of these older episodes sometimes and now the website could hopefully do it all for us so that catalog is coming and uh, we'll have a lot of oscar stuff coming on there as well because you know we do write a lot mike and i uh, he's he's the lawyer. I'm the ex screenwriter who still, you know, writes writes the the screenplays here and there. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think we got a lot to say on the page. And uh, I definitely love. You're, you mean you're one of the best follows out there on, on Twitter and everything. And you put a lot into those tweets and a lot of you know in terms of uh, your reviews. They get right to the point. Like some people just po- want to pontificate and it drives me crazy. I don't want to be that way on MikeMikeAndOscar.com. I'm glad you're not that way. You just get to yeah. the core of what these movies are about, and I can always trust your reviews on all your social media. So everybody follow Colby. Thank you again, man, and uh, I, I, re- I really appreciate. You. Appreciate it as well, man. Can't wait to do this again. All right, buddy. We will see you next time. See you.